This is episode six with Mary Claire Dilks. Your challenges don't define you. However, how you choose to handle them does. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Laugh at Adversity podcast. I'm your host, Gary Savoy. Having overcome medical trauma, I've made it my mission to uncover all of the secrets to overcoming life's challenges and living a better life. Each week, I will bring you an inspiring person or message. You'll hear from some of the most inspirational people on this planet, including those who have overcome adversity firsthand. My goal is to provide you with everything you need to conquer your challenges and to turn your struggles into strengths. I've known Mary Claire for about three years now, and she was a huge help in my recovery from chronic pain. As a teenager suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome, she became very appreciative of the power of alternative medicine and fully understands how illness can hold us back from fulfilling our dreams and has made it her mission to help people overcome their own illnesses. Mary Claire is a licensed doctor of acupuncture and oriental medicine in Rhode Island and also a board-certified Chinese herbalist. In this episode, we talk about her experience with chronic fatigue syndrome as a teenager and also about the direct connection between what we eat and how we feel. We also talk about what you can expect during an acupuncture treatment and some of the benefits of an acupuncture treatment. We also discuss why improving blood flow can help heal our bodies and how she uses herbs in patients' treatments. We also discuss the power behind guided meditations, the three prongs of health, and why it's important to make time for yourself. So without further ado, here's my interview with Mary Claire Dilks. Hi, Mary Claire. It's nice to have you on the show. Hi, Gary. So just to give the audience a little bit of a background, I know I've known you for probably two or three years, and you are an acupuncturist and herbalist, and you helped me a lot, actually, in my journey. You know, when I first started seeing you when I was having really bad, um, you know, groin and abdominal pain, and then also you did a lot with the herbs for helping me with healing, you know, my GI issues. So first, I just wanted to say thank you so much um, for everything that you did for me before we kind of get into your story. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm so happy to help people who, you know, unfortunately, I think people come to acupuncture as one of their last road or last stops on the road. But it's great to be able to really help people and be a catalyst in the healing. I agree with that statement. I was, I was definitely um, nervous and also sort of like a non-believer at first and didn't really know whether I should do it or not. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, it helped a significant amount in my healing. So I'm, I'm definitely glad that I tried it out and obviously thankful for all the help that you, you gave me. Yeah, that's great. Um, so before we get into talking about, you know, the benefits of acupuncture and kind of what it is, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, how you kind of got there. I know you struggled a little bit with chronic fatigue syndrome as a teenager. Could you brush up on that a little bit? Yeah, so I was a teenager and not taking, you know, great care of myself as many teenagers mm -hmm. do and, you know, eating crappy food and not sleeping enough. And I think my negative um kind of internal voice also played a part in uh, some depression. And I think during that time, I also had been taking antibiotics for many years. And looking back at it now, I actually think that might have um, really sent me down this negative 
path of fatigue and low immunity and depression. And, um, so I was a teenager, probably about 15 and I went to a holistic doctor. Luckily my mom was already into holistic medicine to some degree. And, um, so we didn't have a very long time visiting many doctors. Like I know a lot of people with chronic fatigue do. Um, so we went right to a holistic doctor and, um, he did some testing and test my, um, vitamins and, and things like that and found I was really deficient in a lot of different things. And, and again, looking back, I kind of think I might've had a, you know, a candida issue going on, maybe something like that also, but, but at any rate, so he treated me, um, for years doing vitamin IVs and, um, different supplements and, and that's really when I started learning about food and nutrition and and really learning about how it impacts how you feel. Right. Um, you know, the direct connection. Um, and sometimes it's not an overnight connection, but um, you know, it definitely makes a big difference. So so that really set me up at that point to um kind of, you know, go forward and to be able to do all the things I wanted to do as a teenager, you know, I, cause I really felt held back, um, in many ways by my, um, you know, fatigue and depression. And so it was really great to come out of that. And, um, and so then eventually I went to Europe. So this is getting back into college. I went to Europe and, um, kind of at that time, I really had the inspiration to, give back to people who are suffering with chronic health conditions. And so I was really inspired at that point to make, make it some part of my, my uh, career path. Do you think that, you know, having struggling with the chronic fatigue and then being able to heal yourself through, you know, the vitamins and the holistic approach, do you think that kind of sparked your interest in also servicing others? Oh, definitely. Yeah, no doubt, because I think I really felt how, you know, how I literally couldn't do anything I wanted to do. I was stuck in bed, you know, um, didn't have the energy to get up and, you know, go hang out with my friends or, you know, I, I had to slow down with um, my involvement with sports and all kinds of things. And so um, I think understanding that, you know, in the M empathic part of me thought, gosh, you know, so many people are held back by health conditions and there have to be, you know, so many other people in my shoes. Right. So, so it definitely inspired me to give back. Great. So, so you're in Europe. Um, and did you start studying there or what interested you to kind of start studying, you know, acupuncture and, and herbalists? Um, well, I think what, well, what Europe did for me was I actually went to Paris by myself once as a, you know, I was 21 and I took an overnight train and, and I did this thing that I never thought I would be able to do. So it was more about an inspiration and motivation. Like I can do anything in the world I really put my heart into. So, so once I had that, I came back and I started working at an integrative medical center in Chicago um, called American Whole Health. And they um, started um, a small clinic in Chicago with multiple MDs um, and other practitioners, you know, chiropractors, acupuncturists, nutritionists. Um, there were Reiki practitioners, 
nutrient, you know, what else psychologists, I mean, the, the list went on and on, but, and then they ended up becoming a corporate company and, um, spreading these centers all around the country. So it was actually kind of really cool to see the, um, just the business side of all of that. But at the center, I really learned about acupuncture and, you know, as well as the other modalities, but, uh, really learned about acupuncture. And at that time I was also studying philosophy and that was actually my undergraduate degree. Um, so I had gotten into the Eastern philosophy and it, um, just all kind of gelled at that point. It was like, you know, all the paths came together and it just seemed like this is the way to go. So it's like a series of moments that kind of sparked your interest and, and helped you make that decision that you wanted to go this route. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think there's, I love the ideas of Taoism that everything is connected um, that, you know, elements in the earth, um, are also present inside of our bodies and they can make us sick. <laughs> you know, uh, the idea is that emotions are connected to organs and there's no differentiation between your mind and body. Um, so all of these sort of philosophical components, um, really sparked my curiosity. Also the, um, very poetic nature that, um, Chinese medicine has mm -hmm. really just, um, you know, I just thought it was such a beautiful medicine, the way they talk about, um, you know, the terrain of the body and health and things like that. So, um, it was, that's really where it started. And then I started having treatments and really started feeling the effects of acupuncture first, um, and how it really, um, improved my energy even more. And I feel like it really affected my, my mood a lot, you know, made me definitely more even. Um, and in so many ways, you know, I could go on and on about how much it helped me personally. Um, and so then it just, I started studying at basically the next, um, semester in school. I think I started taking my, um, prerequisite type classes, all the bioscience classes. And then, uh, this, then I started looking at schools and, um, one of the main schools out in California actually was about to open a campus in Chicago. So it's like, once again, you know, here I am and here's a school just about to open. And, uh, so it was great. So that's where I started. So it, was, it was, sounds like it was meant to be and all the stars kind of aligned for you. That's how I felt. That's how I felt often in yeah. life, I think. Um, <laughs> so, so I know for me, I didn't really understand what acupuncture was. Um, could mm -hmm. you explain a little bit about, you know, the needles and maybe the meridians as well? Sure. Well, the needles, I mean, that's definitely the thing that people think about the most when they think about acupuncture right. and Chinese medicine. Um, and it's unfortunately, I think the thing that holds a lot of people back from trying it because, you know, let's face it, who, who really likes needles? Yeah. You, you think it's painful. <laughs> you think it's painful, right? You think it's just like a shot or an injection, um, but the needles we use are all solid and they're about as thin as a hair and they're flexible. Um, and they're not designed to cause any real damage. You know, to, they're not designed to go into a blood vessel or anything like that. So that because of the design, it actually causes a lot less pain. Um, so they're pretty small and most treatments involve about 15 to 20 needles or so. Um, they're left in during the course of a treatment, which is, um, about 20, 25 minutes. 
And uh, some of the needles can be used in an area of pain or discomfort. And sometimes they're used along the meridians um, to serve a specific purpose. So each point actually has a purpose. Um, sometimes it's to clear heat or inflammation from the body, or sometimes it's to improve circulation. Um, so that's kind of just a general idea. Um, and let's see the points located near an area of pain might be used to help relax a muscle or, um, break up, you know, connective tissue tightness, um, or, you know, if there's a muscle spasm or something like that, it might, might help to calm that down. Um, so the meridians are kind of like a system, an interconnected system in our bodies, um, kind of like the river pathways of our bodies in a way they provide nourishment to all of our tissues. Um, and you know, there, there's some debate in Western medicine about what these meridians actually are, mm -hmm. But in Chinese medicine, the thinking is that um, there are these pathways of circulation in our bodies that provide, like I said, the nourishment to all of your tissues and, um, you know, your meridians run from your head to your toes. So they're all over. And most of the points, most of the points are located on those meridians. Right. And those meridians, you mentioned like kind of like a river, they go across mm -hmm. um, like certain organs, right? Like there are certain points that are specific to certain organs exactly yeah so they're all named well they're almost all named for organs so like your liver your spleen your stomach you know all of these um meridians actually connect to the organ at some point so they do have an effect on the organ um as well as just have the name so sometimes i'll say oh it's nothing really with your western liver, you know, you're, you're, you don't have kidney disease. Sometimes if I talk about somebody's kidney, cause the concepts are a little bit different in what in Chinese medicine. So there, there's a much more expanded idea of organs. And again, you know, there's this relationship and connection between them all. So you can't really separate, you know, one, one part of our bodies from another. So is the belief of an acupuncture treatment that you know, these needles are kind of opening up the pathways and allowing more energy and nourishment to flow through those riverways? Yep. Yep. That's definitely one way of thinking about it. Um, and then from a Western medical standpoint, um, they affect different hormone um, pathways and things like that. Also like the um, ovarian um, hypothalamus pituitary access. Um, there's different connections they've found actually biomedically that, um, you know, cause a balance in the hormones or, um, they affect the way our bodies process cortisol, which is a big stress hormone. Um, so there are a few different ways they can work. And then again, you know, like I mentioned the, um, oh, we talked a little bit about the blood flow, but, um, just by improving microcirculation to an area, you could really help to heal it. So, yeah. Um, what are some of the benefits that a person can receive from acupuncture, whether they're, you know, dealing with chronic pain or if they're just kind of looking, you know, to try it out? Well, yeah, people come for all different reasons. So, um, like you mentioned, the chronic pain is, is one of the biggest ones. Um, but insomnia, digestive problems, um, women come for, um, menstruation problems, even PMS. I mean, many people think, oh, PMS, it's like something I have to have, but it's actually 
pathological, so we can treat it. Um, what else? Let's see. There's, um, what am I, I'm sure I'm missing a lot. So depression, anxiety, that's kind of a huge area of treatment. Um, skin problems I think are better treated with herbs, but that's an area I'm really getting into treating lately. Um, but I think herbs are a little more effective than acupuncture. Um, but some people just come for stress reduction and stress management and people will come to me for a series of treatments, usually six to eight weekly treatments or, you know, either once or twice a week. And then after that, a lot of times people will come once a month, um, for a really good balancing treatment, um, you know, de-stressing treatment. I think it really helps people stay connected, um, and aware of their bodies um, I think that's one thing about acupuncture that's really important is that it really teaches you good self-awareness and um, you become really sensitive to your body over time, um, you know, with continued treatments, I think, and you can feel subtle shifts and changes and like, you know, you get a better intuition of like, okay, maybe this isn't that good for me or whatever. Maybe I shouldn't eat this bag of chips or whatever. I don't know. Um, and so I think people get that awareness and just a more healthier, balanced way of living when they do that kind of monthly check-in. Um, but they also find they get less respiratory colds, things like that. Um, overall, they might not be as reactive or have, have as bad road rage, um, that kind of thing. So so it can work in a lot of different ways for people. It, it's funny you bring those up because I remember two different scenarios. So I remember... Um, you know, coming to visit you. And it, it was probably like a month or, or two since I had a, a visit. And like, I was just having, you know, pain um, in my groin, which is, you know, where the, the nerve damage was. And I remember feeling those needles go in. And it was almost as if, um, like, there was a blockage until those mm -hmm. needles went in. And then it felt like, you know, there was like energy or um, just even like blood flow, I guess, just kind of I don't know, it was like a freeing sensation, I guess. It's kind of weird to explain, but I could definitely <laughs> feel it just by having like a single treatment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of, that probably goes into, you know, the freeing of the blood and kind of like helping, you know, to heal the, the area. Exactly. And that's, that's what it comes down to really is tapping into your own body's ability to heal. And all these needles do really is to stimulate that natural intelligence, you know, that our bodies have to heal. Um, I think we have or tremendous capacity to heal and rejuvenate ourselves. We just need to get the right input and the right signals to do that. Right. And I think that's the, probably the biggest debate between Eastern and Western medicine is, you know, using your own body um, and tools that you can, like natural tools to heal yourself versus, you know, prescriptions and surgeries and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think, and I remember the, when you talked about like colds, I remember there was one time where I was actually sick. And, um, you did that thing. It was like a spoon on the back of my neck. Yeah, um, right. and it actually, I remember like clearing up my sinuses, like by the time I left, which was really cool. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That's gua sha. It's a, a massage technique using a spoon or a different, different, um, sort of broad shaped, um, object. And it can leave some marks on your back, but, or neck or wherever, you know, wherever you do it, but it has so much healing power. It just, um, warms up the area. It gets your lymph flowing, which is so important for immunity. Um, and the cool thing is, is that those little spots that, I don't know if you had this on your neck, but 
um, those little spots that come up that look kind of like a bruise or like a hickey. Um, it's not technically a bruise. It's called petechiae that is really just blood that's pulled out of the circulation and brought to the surface. Um, but the cool thing is, is that as your liver gets rid of that blood, it releases an enzyme and the enzyme is anti-inflammatory. So it can have a systemic anti-inflammatory effect Really, just by doing that treatment. Yeah. So it's really cool. You kind of, again, you know, it's like tapping into your body's own ability to heal itself. Um, I don't know if you, you've done anything into cupping, but is that why like cupping seems to be a really good treatment for a lot of athletes? Yeah, I think so. And then, um, also, so both these things, cupping and gua sha really improve blood flow. Um, I know cupping improves blood flow three to 400%. So in an area, wow. you know, so, I mean, it just, it's remarkable. And then you can just, by improving blood flow, you know, you're improving all of these, uh, great healing um, powers of our bodies. So, um, yeah, so I would say that would, yeah, cupping's a great treatment too. Yeah. It's, it's funny too. Cause you know, there's a few athletes that I follow on social media and you see it a lot more over the past, I think like three years or so where they're posting a lot of pictures of getting, you know, acupuncture and cupping treatments as like kind of their regular routine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so great for, you know, healing trauma, you know, and, and every time they work out really hard, I think there's some degree of muscle trauma. Right. Yeah. So you're just kind of continually tapping into that healing power. Um, but yeah, I know a lot of, a lot of athletes are really into it. So it's, um, they use a lot of needles though. I don't know if you've noticed that on social media with, with pictures of acupuncture, but They'll put like, yeah. you know, a hundred needles in somebody's leg. So it's a little extreme, I think, for what, you know, I normally encounter in my practice. But do you think it's because um, like a quicker recovery time or just a different type of acupuncture that they're getting while they're getting so many needles? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's probably just to improve their recovery time. It's just, you know, they're going really hard and fast probably in their lives. And, and so the treatments are probably really equally as intense. <laughs> so, right. Um, you talked a little bit about, you know, the herbs. So I was just curious, you know, what roles do the herbs play in your practice? Yeah, well, herbs, um, I, I use, uh, custom blended granular herbs primarily, and those are blended for a person, uh, to treat their condition. Um, so I was talking to somebody about this earlier today uh, who came into my office and she had um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, and I was saying that, you know, our herbal medicine doesn't treat polycystic ovarian syndrome. Our herbal medicine treats the person with that condition. So it's different in, you know, many people. There are probably six different uh, what we call patterns of diagnosis for most conditions. And so we really have to come upon a clear diagnosis and then we can do a treatment based on that. Um, so the treatment is either, you know, herbs or acupuncture or both. Um, but so the herbs are often thousand year old prescriptions. Um, they're kind of like recipes that, um, involve usually five to 12 herbs, maybe. And all the herbs have a specific function in the formula, and they all work together to uh, treat the person. Um, so they treat not only the symptoms, but also the root cause of the problem. 
And that's really the benefit of Chinese medicine is that we really get to the cause of something rather than just treat the symptoms. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think that's the big difference. I know from my experience anyways, is that, you know, meeting with you and some of the other natural healing, you know, doctors that I met with, it was, you guys focused on, you know, healing the actual source of the issue versus the treating the symptoms. Right. Yep, exactly. And I think, you know, again, I think symptomatic treatment can be helpful because people really want to feel better. So it it's a quicker method to treat the symptoms, but you also want to think about the root cause. So you do a little bit of both usually, and that's often the way to, to go about it. So people aren't suffering for quite as long. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I know you can do a lot of different things with herbs, right? You can, I mean, as far as I know you did some with pain for me. And then also when I was having a lot of GI issues, um, there were a couple different herb um, like cleanses that you did that really kind of helped heal like my GI tract too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Herbs are really great for a lot of internal medicine conditions. Um, sometimes I'll give them to people for pain. Um, but generally I would say acupuncture tends to be more effective for pain in most cases um, but I think about herbs more for inter internal medicine problems um, and certainly for things like insomnia, you know, skin problems, things like that. And when you're talking about, you know, thousand year old herbs, you're not talking, you know, the stuff that you're mixing and making is different than something that you might just buy off, you know, the shelf at the store, right? Right. So I think it's so important to get your products from a reputable source um, you know, that thing came out, when was it, like a year ago or something about um, different supplements at like Walmart and Target that didn't even contain what the label said they were supposed to contain. Um, you get problems, other problems like um, he heavy metal contaminants, um, pharmaceutical contaminants, um, things like that can can show up if you buy Chinese herbs from, you know, eBay or something. Right. So, and even in Chinatown, you know, you go to a Chinatown and you have no idea what you're getting, but all the herbs that a well-trained herbalist will use, um, are all from a reputable source that does the third party testing to make sure you have the right species. And, you know, again, like I said, the no contaminants, that's a big, huge thing. Um, so we want to make sure that what we're putting into our bodies are, is actually going to heal us and do what we think it will rather than cause any side effects or problems. Right. Yeah. I don't want people to hear about all the benefits, you know, of herbs and then be going out to, you know, their pharmacy and, and trying to buy things off the shelf and have some sort of reaction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be really careful. And I think even um, the FDA had, had cracked down years ago on one of our herbs, Mahuang, which is ephedra, Right. Um, they were using it, I think in like bodybuilding or weight loss or one of those, I think it was actually weight loss, but they were using it in such high quantities that we would never, ever use in herbal medicine, but people were getting it off, the, you know, from target or whatever. And, um, and then they were getting like kidney damage and some serious problems. Right. Um, but you know, again, it was used in a totally unsafe, incorrect way, but the FDA ended up cracking down on it and, um, really limiting our availability, um, to get that herb, which is unfortunate because it's really great for asthma. And, um, it's one of the best herbs for that. So it's, 
it's tricky, but yeah. So you have to be really careful. So it's really important that you make sure if you're going to try to go down this route that you make sure you find a certified herbalist, right? Exactly. So we have national um, board certification for Chinese herbalism. And so you can go to the website nccaom.org and you can find a list of all of the national certified um, herbalists and acupuncturists. Uh, but it's a special different certification for um, herbalism. So that's a little bit different than like Western herbalism, um, which doesn't really do that degree of certification. And I think Western herbalism is a little bit different too, because you can take one herb for like one thing. So it's a little bit different, uh, almost more like Western medicine. Like, you know, you might take, um, I'm trying to think of an easy example, like St. John's wort for depression, mm-hmm. you know, a nerve pain too, actually, that's great for nerve pain. Um, but it's a little more specific, you know, this for that type of thing. Instead of Chinese medicine is really this like more complex formula with all these different components. Um, you know, for example, I might add one herb just to say I'm treating shoulder pain or uh, something like that or a headache. Maybe that's more appropriate, but might bring one herb. One herb in the formula might guide the formula to the specific area of pain in the head. So whether it's a headache in the front, on the top, on the back. You might add one, you know, different herbs for different areas, but um, one herb is just a guiding herb. Um, things like that, which I think is it's kind of cool in Chinese herbalism. Right, and I think the other important thing too is that I would assume you you have to make adjustments, and there are certain ratios that the herbs that you're using, right, to kind of treat the right symptoms. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Um, so we talked a lot about, you know, obviously acupuncture and herbs. Um, but I'd like to also get some of your insight on how someone who's dealing with anxiety or depression can kind of calm their symptoms naturally. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing people could do would be to try out meditation. I think it's been proven that meditation really changes our brains and, um, our whole emotional outlook. So, um, if someone wants to get into that, I think that would be the first thing to try. And there are so many great programs, you know, different apps now available. Um, but I think even three to five minutes a day can be so helpful. It doesn't have to be like a 20, you know, 30 minute a day thing. I would say start small and do three to five minutes of just even focusing on your breathing for three to five minutes. Like most of us can try to do that. And I think the important thing to think about with meditation is to um, remember not to get frustrated because it's not easy. We're not born being able to do this. And I think our lives are getting so complicated now where our brains are thinking of millions of things at once and to calm it down takes, you know, it's so hard, but it takes practice. And that's why they call it a practice of meditation because you know, it's a practice. You just have to keep trying and you just, you know, keep focusing on your breath. And then if you notice a thought come up, you just let it go without judgment and then move on. So yeah, meditation. Yeah. I think it's funny that you mentioned that because I struggled with meditation when I first started, I would either, you know, 30 seconds in, I would be having all of these thoughts and I would, wouldn't know what to do with them. And I would be judging myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and it would just kind of ruin the whole you know, the whole practice at that time. And then the other thing too, is that I would also find myself falling asleep. 
because oh. um, I'd be doing it like late at night. Um, right. But I, f- I find doing it, you know, in the morning or maybe like midday is usually best for me because it kind of helps, um, you know, either start the day off right or also kind of like balance out my day. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's really the falling asleep thing. I think that's why, um, you know, it's recommended that you do sit up with a straight back when you meditate because you'll be less likely to fall asleep, but it's true. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But I agree with you. It is very difficult when you first start and especially I remember starting with, you know, small increments of, you know, three to five minutes sessions when I first started. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's, it's all good. I think even if you do that amount, um, one other thing that's really helpful are guided meditations. Um, so there are different guided imagery meditations you can use, um, that sometimes help get into it a little bit more. I don't know if you've done any of those. Um, so I know you talked about apps. I use calm. Yeah. Calm's a good one. Pause. Pause is a good one too. Pause. Yeah, I've, I've never tried that. I've, I've tried Headspace and Calm. Um, mm-hmm. Calm was my favorite, mm-hmm. and I did a lot of their guided meditations. But do you do you have a favorite of any of them? Um, well, for guided meditations, I really like um, these by this woman called Bell Ruth Napperstek. And this actually really helped me going way back. I mean, she goes way back. You know, I was working with her stuff in the late 90s. And... Um, they're called health journeys. And if you go to their website, healthjourneys.com, there are, are numerous topics. So you could pick one for just like stress and anxiety, for example. And, um, you could listen to that for like usually 10 to 20 minutes, depending on the different types of guided imagery meditation. And she kind of takes you through, um, a different, you know, imagery, about where you feel safe or, you know, different things like that. And, um, goes through this whole thing, but she really focuses on self care and self love. And I think that is so important in healing, um, to befriend your body, you know, instead of trying to fight against it, like you want to work with it, you know? And so I think that's so important for people. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think a lot of it is your perspective because when we, get diagnosed with something, you know, we kind of almost fight it. And that negative mindset doesn't really help you when you're trying to heal. Right. Right. I agree. It doesn't, it doesn't help. So we definitely need to work with our bodies. Right. Work with it, not against it. Yep. Which actually leads me into my other question too, is you talked about, you know, when you were starting to heal yourself from the chronic fatigue, you diet played a significant role. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some steps for people to kind of start living healthier lives and, and finding more balance in their lives? Well, I think there are three prongs of health when you get down to the basics, right? Some one teachers at some point told me this and it's really stuck with me. Um, the three prongs. So eat, sleep, poop, right? So we need to have balance in these three areas. These are the basics. Um, so eat, what are we eating? You know, are you eating nutrient dense foods or empty calories? Um, the most nutrient dense foods we can eat, the better. Um, I think generally eating low carb is better and eating complex carbs when we eat them. Um, you know, protein is so important. And that was one area where I was really lacking way back when I was a teenager. 
Um, but getting enough protein is so important. Um, and then a ton of fruits and vegetables. Um, so diet, and then, you know, of course, limiting the amount of sugar you're having is really important. Sugar is kind of a killer. And I know it's a really hard habit for a lot of people to break. Um, but decreasing the amount of sugar can be hugely important and helpful. Um, let's see. So sleeping is the other prong and sleeping is totally underrated and undervalued in our culture, but I think we need to get enough sleep. So much happens when we sleep, you know, our nervous systems reset, um, our bodies process hormones and clear away, you know, extra hormones and balance the whole system. So if we're not sleeping, it can cause so many, um, problems. So really focusing on sleep, getting to bed, usually ideally it's like by 10 and then getting a good, you know, seven to nine hours, whatever your body needs, um, is ideal. And then poop. So you got to make sure you're having regular elimination and we don't talk about this enough in this culture, right? But this is so important in Chinese medicine and people always blush or often blush when they come into my office and I start talking to them about their poop. But really, I mean, you have to have a good regular bowel movement once a day to really eliminate and keeps your digestive system healthy. Um, so to make sure that's happening and to eat, you know, according to eat, eat, eat what's going to help you go. Um, you know, nuts, dried fruit, prunes, all that stuff. You know, it's really important to incorporate that just to make sure you're eliminating regularly if you need a little extra help. So it's about, you know, the intake and then also the sleeping to kind of help promote, you know, healing. Yeah. And then also um, the output, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. And those are the basic markers of health, you know. So um, like I said, I like to talk about poop in my practice because it tells a lot about how your body is processing the nutrients that it's taking in. Um, it tells a lot about your general state of energy and about, um, you know, maybe how much fluid you know, if you're deficient in fluids or you have too much heat in your body or um, different things like that. So, so that's why it's really important just to pay attention, I guess I'd say that. Um, that's one thing, like I said, that Chinese medicine really teaches us is how to pay attention to all these different aspects of our health so that we can find out what works for us and what promotes balance or promotes unbalance. So. Right. Yeah. And I think I remember having that conversation with you and it was uncomfortable, but at the same time, um, just by having that conversation, you were able to kind of diagnose a few things that were going on, which was kind of mind boggling to me. Yeah, I, right. I mean, it's such a taboo to, to look at your poop, but <laughs> I mean, yeah. to go on and on about poop, but seriously, just look I think at your poop. <laughs> the other thing too was I remember you had me uh, like stick my tongue out and you looked at like underneath my tongue and you were able to like read how stressed I was and that was kind of fascinating too. Right. So the tongue diagnosis is one of the um, ways we look at somebody and what's going on inside. And um, the tongue is kind of, um, it's a map, actually, different areas of the tongue reflect different organs. And so I look at the color of the tongue overall, um, the shape of the tongue, I look at how it moves, or if it doesn't move, um, I look at the coating. And, you know, the color of the coating is important and also the thickness. And then also underneath the tongue, it's really important to look at the veins um, that can give a lot of information about your blood flow 
So it's really important to check that too. So you want them to be, uh, the veins underneath um, shouldn't be very engorged and dark. You know, they should be relatively small. Um, but that's kind of the basic idea of the tongue diagnosis. It's, it's all just so fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a totally different way of looking at our health and our bodies. Um, one of my teachers way back in school said, it's kind of like you're learning to view the world with a new set of glasses. And it's, mm. it's proven true. You know, you really think about things a lot differently. So, and even, even the way somebody moves, um, you know, if they're really erratic in their movement or something, that'll, that'll tell me something about what's going on inside of them. So you really have to pay attention and be a good um, observer of people to really diagnose somebody and see how you can help them. So it kind of goes back to the awareness that we were talking about earlier and being yeah. self-aware, but also aware of others. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So for people that, you know, found this really interesting and would like to give acupuncture a try, um, where can they connect with you? Yeah, well, I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram. My practice name is Emerging Energy Acupuncture. So that is the name on my Facebook page um, where I share lots of great health tips. And um, I spend most of my time on Instagram, and that page is Emerging Energy. And I try to give good health tips and uh, inspiration to people there um, and good um information about Chinese medicine as well for people who, you know, want to learn more. Um, those are the main channels. My website also is mergingenergy.net. Um, and I have a blog there, which I will periodically update with, um, different articles, different things I'm inspired to write about when I have the extra time, which is not as often as I'd like these days, but I do what I can. Yeah, I will make sure to include all those links in the show notes um, so people can get to them. But I do like some of the posts that you put on social media. You know, they're really um, like thought provoking, you know, as far as how, like, I think you had something on heartburn and your emotions and the, the role that it plays with heartburn a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's I think it's so important to remember the connection of our emotions to our physical state and you know, if we, that's why I'm so passionate about meditation and mindfulness and attitude, you know, positive attitude, I should say, because, um, I mean, there's such a direct correlation with that and our, our whole well-being. Um, so I really try to inspire people, um, to live a balanced way and to also practice really good self-care. I think I'm really, um, passionate about that too, because, I mean, we really need to treat our bodies, like I said, as, you know, our, our companions in this life and, um, and listen to the cues it gives us in the form of symptoms, you know, to say something's wrong and then think about it for a little while and analyze it and see what you could do to change it. Um, so I think making that time for yourself is really important to listen and to, to, um, do things to nourish yourself and your spirit. Um, not only nourish yourself through the foods you eat, but also, you know, nourish your mind and emotions. So, right. I completely agree with all of that. Yeah. I have two final questions for you. Okay. Um, the first is what is your definition of adversity and what does it mean to you? 
Yeah, well, adversity um, to me is basically, you know, if you if things aren't going your way, then you're faced with adversity, you know. If, um, but I think sometimes adversity can be kind of like a gift. And I kind of hate to say that, but there's that Zen proverb, I think I posted not too long ago about this, that sometimes the obstacle is the path, right? Mm, yeah. So you learn so much through all of your experiences, good and bad. Um, I think, you know, it's really important just to stay where you are, you know, don't try to run away from your experiences or health condition. Um, but just sit with it for a minute and try to understand the wisdom of it and kind of just keep going forward. Don't go back. Right. I love that response. I think it's completely in alignment with, you know, this podcast and the message that I'm trying to get across to people. Yeah, that's great. No, I think the work you're doing is really great. Thank you. Um, so the final question is, what are three tips you can give someone who is facing adversity in their life right now? Well, I think kind of going back to that last answer, um, to sit with it, you know, um, to try to listen to any kind of wisdom that comes from the experience. Mm -hmm. And remember that you're not going to know kind of the true meaning until you get past it. A lot of times you have to just keep going forward. And then eventually sometimes things make sense. You can look back and say, oh yeah, okay. That was really great because you know, whatever. Um, so that's all really important to getting through the adversity and then just to stay positive, you know, gosh, it's so cliche to say, but, um, just if you try to keep a positive mindset, um, I think you won't fall as you know, into that negative thinking spiral, um, and do what you can to keep positive people around you and read positive, you know, self-help books or, you know, have good conversations with friends that are upbeat and positive. Um, but as much as you can, just keep going forward. So, so one was to acknowledge it um, and kind of sit with it. And then two is to stay positive. Yeah. And then I think the sort of between those two was the idea that, you're not going to see the meaning of it until you get through it. Yeah, so, so the hidden lessons. It, yeah, exactly. And just know that there are hidden lessons and that, you know, you're not going to see the big picture and, you know, for a while, but just kind of be at peace with that, you know? Yeah. I love those. Um, so I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for everything that you do um, for, you know, the inspiring being that you are. And also just your commitment to servicing others and, you know, every day that you're helping someone, whether it's, you know, a chronic pain or an illness um, or really anything, you know, even like skin conditions or anything and just kind of servicing others and helping them live better lives. So I just wanted to thank you for everything that you do. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me on this podcast. And um, it's really, I feel like I, I, I love going to work every day and helping people. And I feel like it's such a gift to be able to do this work. So hopefully I'll be able to do it for many, many, many more years. I'm sure you will. Yeah, it's a great gift to be able to help give back and, and service other people. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Hey guys, if you enjoyed this interview with Mary Claire, then make sure you head over to the show notes at laughatadversity.com forward slash six. You'll be able to find all of the links to our site and anything that we discussed in the interview. 
Also, if you really enjoyed this episode, then make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget to leave a review in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. They're so important in order to get the podcast found and to help change other people's lives.